0: So much to thank Him for. If you'd like to find your place in Psalms chapter 5, the title of the message is The Choice of Thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving is a choice. You don't have to teach a child how to complain. You don't have to teach a child how to murmur or be disgruntled. That's something that just comes. That's our sinful nature, but you have to teach a child to be thankful. You have to tell them when to say thank you and when something is given to them, because the, the human nature is to take, not to be thankful. And uh, the the choice of thanksgiving, and that, that's a reality in all of our lives. And and even as adults, uh, we have to choose to be thankful. and And uh, there's seven passages in the Bible that has uh, these four words that that, that are together. That say, but as for me, uh, that that, that means I've decided to do something. But as for me, there's been a clear decision made, there's been a choice made. I've gone on the record uh, to say this uh, or to do this or that. Uh, Have you been on the record for being thankful or are you known as a complainer? And Psalms chapter 5 and verse 7 it says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward... Thy holy temple. You see, we make decisions and we make choices every day. We make the decision as to what time we go to bed. We make the decision as to what time we wake up. If you're going to hit the snooze alarm or not, or if you're going to set two alarms, you know, giving yourself that option to stay in bed just a little bit longer if you so choose to do so. We choose what time we leave for work or what time we leave for school. We choose what we're going to wear. We choose... What Even what we're going to say every day, we choose that. Uh, And uh, we also choose what we're going to eat. Uh, We choose how we're going to respond to different circumstances. Uh, We even choose if we're going to go to church or not. Uh, We even choose if we're going to give of our tithe and our offerings uh, and and give to missions. We choose whether or not we're going to be a witness uh, for Jesus wherever we go or whether we'll just speak speak or not speak. Whether we'll give a witness or not, all that is a choice that we personally make. Seven times in the Bible, you find the words, but as for me. Here in our passage in Psalms chapter 5 and verse 7, we find the second time that these words are mentioned, but as for me. This is a statement that sets a record. But as for me is a statement that sets a standard for a particular person. It denotes a decision that's already been made. It marks a determined spirit. When someone says, but as for me, they're making a clear They're going on the record, if you would, as to what they have decided, as to what they believe. You see, those words set a standard. It denotes a clear decision that's been made. And again, like I said, it's going to determine a certain spirit about ourselves. It also displays an individual resolve. It sets a person apart from other people. It identifies a position. When when someone says, I stand with Israel, then you have others who say, I stand with the Palestinian people. That They've made a choice. They've made a declaration that set a standard or a personal belief. And and by the way, we stand with Israel. Uh, Right here, I stand with Israel. The words, but as for me, is a line of demarcation. It's going to set a line. It's going to set a limit, if you would. It sets a boundary. It shows a bound that's already been put in place, it's already been ascertained. But as for me, is more than just a thought, it's a fixed conviction. It's an established behavior. It's a pattern that a person has chosen to live by. It's a choice that is non-negotiable. When I think about Daniel, when he was taken into captivity as a young man, uh, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Uh, He he, he set a standard for himself. Uh, He set some limitations as to what he would do or not do uh, even though he was taken into captivity. The most famous person in the Bible outside of David here in Psalms chapter 5, uh, that, that use these words, but as for me, uh, is found in Joshua. And the first times that we... That is the first place in the Bible that you find those words, but as for me. Joshua had endured the betrayal of others. Joshua... Not only saw the lenience of others and the disobedience of others, he also saw the unbelief of others. He he saw the undermining of others. He witnessed the reluctance of others to obey and put their faith in God. He also witnessed the lack of faith of other people, and he also heard the voice. Of others. He also endured the consequences of sin, and for 40 years he watched every doubter over the age of 20 die in the wilderness. He watched others murmur and complain. He watched others that simply disobeyed the law of God. He lived among those that were subject to change. He had witnessed a great apostasy in his day. He had observed others turn from their beliefs and embrace the false gods of the world. But even in the midst of all these circumstances, Joshua drew a line and 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 he took a stand in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15 when he says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, Joshua couldn't make up other people's minds for them. You know, and a lot of times, uh, as Christians, we got to be reminded of that. We can't make other people's minds up for them. They're going to have to choose to serve the Lord. Joshua even told Israel, he said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, Make a choice, man. Stand up. He said, And be heard. Go on the record there and say who you're going to line up with. He couldn't keep pulling people along, and he realized that. But right here is the one thing that Joshua could do. He determined for himself and everybody that lived under his roof that they were going to serve the Lord. Can I ask you, where have you set your line of demarcation? and And I'm talking about with your house. Within your house, what lines have you set up? What boundaries have already been ascertained there? What, what line of demarcation have you set up with your spouse and with your family and with your children and with your co-workers and with your own flesh and desires? What limits have you set? The next five mentions of the word, but as for me, The first mention, of course, is found there in in, in Joshua chapter 24, but then you go on and there's five other mentions that are found in the Psalms. The last one will be found uh, in Daniel. In Psalms chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Here we have David's resolve. He's made up his mind, uh, no matter what's happening in his life, uh, no matter what others choose to do, uh, that he has resolved, uh, he set a line of demarcation, if you would, uh, that he would worship the Lord. In fear, throughout this psalm, David's going to give a clear contrast between the righteous and those that do not worship the Lord. And in the middle of this psalm, David just has to cry out in testimony to the whole world so that everybody would know where he stands. He says, but as for me, I will come into thy house... In the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. You see, David had set a standard for his life. Oh, had it not been for the mercy of the Lord, he wouldn't have that standard. His standard did not make him better than anybody else. But the mercy of the Lord is what made the difference in David's life. If it were not for God's mercy... Where would you and I be today? You wouldn't have any standards. You'd just be going along with the flow of the world. You'd just be going along according to the course, the Bible says, of this world. You'd still be going in a different direction. But had it not been for mercy, we'd be like these foolish people that David mentions, these workers of iniquity. But because of God's mercy, God has set a standard in me. And David said that he would worship in the fear of the Lord. You know what's missing in our worship today? It's the fear of the Lord. Most of today's worship is so centered on the performer and on the performance and not on the basis of why we are to worship. The Pharisee went into the temple to pray, the Bible says, and he lifted himself up before the Lord in pride. I'm telling you, it must have been a spectacular prayer that was prayed. Oh, he knew how to articulate. He knew the right terminology. I'm sure that he got right in the right spot in the, uh, the spotlight there where the light was shining really bright on him there. He had the right look. He even had the right physical location, but his worship was man-centered. He knew nothing of the mercy that David spoke of here. He did not worship in the fear of God. In verse 9 and 10 of Psalms chapter 5, David describes this self-centered, self-righteous, religious lost person to the T. He says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Boy, he's describing that Pharisee over in the New Testament. And this is what he says about those folks. He said, destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. The Bible says that that Pharisee over the New Testament, uh, he went to his house unchanged. That means he left the same way that he came in, filled with wickedness and on his way to a devil's hell. The Bible also says about the publican that came in to pray. There in Luke chapter 18 it says, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes uh, unto heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, uh, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself uh, shall be exalted. David Said in Psalms chapter 5 and verse 7 But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. You see, David's stand was based on mercy. And in the fear of the Lord, he said that he would worship God. What brought us tonight? What brought us to the house of the Lord tonight? You see, remember the Pharisee where he went? He went to the temple but he didn't come based on mercy. He he didn't come to worship in the fear of the Lord. Oh, but because of the mercy that God has shown me, I'm resolved to come to the house of the Lord and to worship in the fear of the Lord. David here in this Psalms gives a clear description of the sins that prevented others from coming before the Lord, and of all those who do not come to Him in repentance and faith. There's a clear description of what keeps them from coming to the Lord. In the third passage where we find the words, but as for me, it's found in Psalms chapter 26. Psalms chapter 26. Would you turn a few pages over to Psalms chapter 26? Here again, we have a psalm of David. He says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart. For thy lovingkindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners nor my life with bloody men in whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. And then here we come to these famous four words here in verse 11. It says, but as for me I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Here we have David's resolve to walk in his integrity. Where does his integrity come from? Verse 3 says, For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. He's not walking according to what he thinks is right uh, but he's walking according to the Lord's truth and because he's walking in truth uh, then there are certain places that he will not uh, set foot in. Uh, If you look in verse 4 it says I've not sat with vain persons neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit uh, with the wicked. Uh, Hey he's made some choices here because he's chosen to walk in the truth of God's word, then there's certain places he just cannot go. There's certain people that he cannot hang around. What will a right walk in making sure that there's no unconfessed sin in our life produce? You know what it'll produce? It'll produce thanksgiving. Look at verse 6 and verse 7. It says, I will wash my hands in innocency; so will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Why? Why why am I going to keep my hands clean? Why am I going to wash my hands clean there and, and, and keep myself right? Why? So that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. He knows what would he have to do to keep himself right so that he could give thanksgiving unto the Lord. A right walk and right living will produce a love for the house of God. Look in verse 8. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. I'm telling you, when he was walking in sin, he had no desire to go to the temple. But boy, when he got right with God, that's where he wanted to be. A right walk and right living will produce a love for separation from those that aren't right there in verse 9 and 10. A, a right walk and a right living will produce a love for worship with other like-minded believers. You see, David had a desire to bless the Lord in the congregations. People will say, well, I don't need to go to church to commune with God Well, I say thank God that you can pray from home. You can pray riding down the road. Just keep your eyes open. Make sure you're paying attention to what's going on before you. But you can pray riding down the road. You can pray at home. You can read your Bible at home. But you see, right living and a right walk will cause you to love going to the house of the Lord. And you will want to bless the Lord in the congregation. 99.9% of the time when I've heard people give me the excuse as to why they don't go to church... And uh, they say, well, you know, I don't have to go to church. You know, I don't have to go there to commune with the Lord. You know, me and Jesus, we have our little thing here. You know, we're good with each other. You know, I know I'm right. You know, I know I'm saved. You know, and I, I believe in Jesus and all that. Uh, but but the majority of the time uh, when people give me that excuse, uh, the reason they don't want to go to church uh, is because they don't want to cleanse uh, their hands. Uh, they, they, they don't want to be clean uh, before the Lord, uh, hey, they, they, they don't want to be reproached. Uh, they don't want to be rebuked. Uh, they don't want to be reproved. Now, they don't mind the exhortation. They don't mind to pat me on the backs and lift me up and make me feel good about myself. They don't mind that. Uh, but they don't like that other part, uh, hey, that part that's needful to be, to be called up and to be called into account about the way they're living. They simply don't want to wash their hands. They don't want to get right with God. And David said, I don't hang around those people. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. But right here is the problem. If you go to check all your friends on Facebook and where they're walking, how they're acting, but yet you still want to hold on to them, you know, you'd be better off cutting some ties with them. Not just for yourself, but for their sake. To let them know they're wrong. To let them know that, hey, their lifestyle's not tolerated with you, but right here's the problem. You're more concerned over a friendship than you are your relationship with the Lord. And that's something that needs to be dealt with. The fourth passage where we find, but as for me here, is found in Psalms chapter 35. Psalms chapter 35. Here again, we have a Psalm of David. In Psalms 35 and verse 11, it says, false witnesses did rise up, they laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. And here's those famous four words, But as for me, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. But in mine adversity they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and cease not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts they gnashed upon me with their teeth. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling from the lions. I will give thee thanks in the congregation. I will praise thee among much people. What will you and I do when family and friends, even brothers and sisters in Christ, turn against us? What are you going to do? It happens. David had made up his mind. And he had already set out to bless those that persecute him. Are you willing to take a stand right now and and, and say that I'm going to treat others as God would have me treat them even though you know that some people may just turn against you? Before any of this ever happened to David, He had already resolved to be right with others and to be right with God. And here's the danger to not set a line of demarcation when it comes to being right with God and right with others before others turn on you. Right, here's what will happen if you don't set a line. It will keep you and I from giving thanks unto the Lord. Well, how many people? have walked away from the Lord. They're no longer thankful. They no longer meet in the congregation. They, Somebody heard them. I ain't never done that to nobody. I don't know why they turned on me. I don't know why they said that against me. You, you, you see, they didn't set a line of demarcation. They, they hadn't went on the record to say, I'm just going to do right even when others do me wrong, when others turn on me and turn away from me, I'm, going to just, set, I'm just going to set my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to keep on going. Uh, it's so important for you and I to, to have already made up our minds that we're just going to do right. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, uh, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Uh, Ye have not resisted, uh, yet resisted unto blood, uh, striving against sin. God reminds us uh, that there's going to be times... (laughs) that you you better make sure you got your eyes on Jesus before the bad things happen. You better be considering Him all the time. We got to be ready to do right. Whether our family stays with us or not, whether a church member stays with us or not, we got to be ready and already drawn a line as to our response uh, and our resolve to just keep on going. Lord, I'm going to still thank you for all that you've done for me and to not get wearied and faint. I've heard person after person tell me that they got hurt in church and that's why they're no longer in church. Well, can I just say, if you've been in church long enough, you're going to get hurt. There's still imperfect people in church. And not everything that's said is always said in consideration of others. But you're going to get hurt. But they say, I quit going, I quit assembling, I quit giving thanks, I quit participating and giving to the Lord of my time, my talents and my treasures. I've given up on the Great Commission and they no longer read their Bible. They're no longer praying and witnessing and doing things that they used to do. I'd like to tell you that 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 will never happen to you or your family. (laughs) That nobody in your family or even your church family will ever turn on you. I can't do that. I'd love to say that brothers and sisters in Christ will never turn on a congregation or against someone in the church. (laughs) But we know that that happens. But you better have already made a line. You better already have, but as for me... No matter who does what against me or against someone else, I'm just going to stay with Jesus and I'm going to be right with Him. Over in Luke chapter 12 and verse 51, Jesus said, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided. Three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father. The mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Hey, but, but, but as for me, knowing that all these things can happen, are you and I resolved to just stay with God? Are you ready to respond in a godly way and not get wearied and faint? Are you ready to consider Him and look to Him and are you ready to still give thanks in the congregation? Because even when you've done everything right, it does not mean that everyone's going to be on your side. In 2 Timothy 1.15 it says this, Thou knowest that all they which were in Asia be turned away from me, Paul said, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. He names these two that have turned against him. One time were for him and now they've turned against him. When David chose to fight Goliath, man, you, you would have think that his brothers, his own blood would have been cheering him on. And said, yes, uh, yes, David, I've heard about all that you've done with daddy's sheep and how you protected the flock and how God helped you. And I've heard of all these great stories. Uh, Yes, David, you're the man, you're the one. But they weren't happy. They weren't happy with David's decision. But you see, he had already purposed in his heart that no matter if his brothers liked it or not, he was just going to serve the Lord. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, he said, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hey, demons forsook Paul and the work of the Lord, but Paul did not get discouraged. He just kept on going. If you would, there was some but ass for me. He had some resolve about him. He would already set a line of demarcation that he would just keep serving God. Can I just say in the times uh, and the days that we're living in, uh, it's not time to quit. Uh, It's not time to give up on the Lord. Uh, God is keeping good records uh, of everything that we do for Him uh, and nothing that we do for the Lord is going to go unnoticed. In 2 John 8 it says, Look to yourselves that ye lose not those things which ye have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. It's not time to get wearied and faint. Hey, Jesus is coming back. Revelations 22.12 says, And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Well, if the Lord allows me, I'll finish these last three passages, but as for me at a later time, I I trust that you've been challenged in your heart to simply determine to just serve the Lord come what may. I I, I trust that you've been challenged to, to just purpose in your heart to be thankful. You see, that's a choice that we have to make. Things in this world, things around us are changing at a very rapid pace. The opportunities that we've had this year, we may not have them next year. But may the Lord help us to be like the Apostle Paul when to finish our race in a way that would be pleasing unto the Lord. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Wouldn't it be sad for Jesus to come back and find us sitting on our porch and sipping on a lemonade when we ought to have been in church, when we ought to have been soul winning, when we ought to be involved in the work of the Lord? Wouldn't it be sad? I wonder how many Christians he'll find that way. Well, I got hurt, Jesus. You should have heard them wicked words they said about me. And they talked about my mama. My mama was a godly woman. What do you think Jesus is going to say to that? He said, when's the last time you considered me? He said, when's the last time you've looked at me that I endured such contradiction of sinners? I didn't quit. And I urged you to keep going. I urged you to pick up your cross and follow me. But here you've laid it down and you're just sitting there. Henceforth there is laid up for me, Paul said, a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also, that love his appearance.